Great to have you here this morning, joining us for what we in our business call Resurrection Sunday. And uh, the reason we're here today is because 2017 years ago, first of all, on a Friday, a man named Jesus was nailed to a cross. It was a cruel form of capital punishment that was reserved for a select few of the day. And Jesus was nailed to that cross, even though he literally had committed no crime, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders of the day felt threatened by him because he was growing in popularity, growing in popularity in such a way that, that his popularity was threatening their power and their influence. And so they put together a, a scheme to get rid of him. And though he committed no crime, they convinced the Roman authorities that because he was calling himself the king of the Jews, that, that he was a threat to them because they had a Caesar and the Caesar of the day was essentially the king, the king of the Roman Empire. And Jesus being a threat to them, couldn't keep going and so they nailed him to a cross. His body was taken down. Normally bodies after they were crucified were just thrown out in a abandoned paddock somewhere, either to be burnt or just to be picked at by scavengers. And yet, thankfully, two uh, wealthy men who, by the way, up to that time, hadn't had the courage to be identified with Jesus, lent him a tomb that they'd pre-purchased and, and asked the authorities if they could take Jesus' body and place it in a borrowed tomb. Sunday morning, three women who had been following Jesus since he went public in his 30s, they went to, to that same tomb to kind of prepare him for a proper burial, as was customary. And when they arrived at that tomb, expecting to see a, a stone in front of the tomb, expecting to see a 10 or 12 member elite Roman guard standing in front of that tomb, instead what they found was that the stone had been rolled away. And they poked their, <laughs> they poked their heads inside the tomb, didn't see the body. Instead, some angels were there and said, what are you looking in here for? He's not here, he's, he's, he's risen. And they didn't quite understand, they didn't get it. So they went back and on their way, they found some of the guys. Guys are sometimes a bit slow to catch up. And uh, some, some of Jesus' closest male followers were on their way to the tomb. And the women said to them, look, he's not there, he's risen. And they thought, mm, okay, better go see this for ourselves. And when they said he's risen, they expected that when they got to the tomb, Jesus would just be standing out the front, you know, like, hey guys. Instead, they got there and there was nobody there. And so this whole thing didn't make any sense. You said he's risen, but he's not visible. What, what, what's this all about? And, and, and we call this Resurrection Sunday, but they wouldn't have called this Resurrection Sunday. Because not only did they not uh, understand that Jesus had risen from the dead, what they would have concluded is that the Roman authorities, who were the only ones that, that had, the, had the authority to, uh, to have the tomb stone rolled back, have the guards step aside, that, that almost certainly that the Roman authorities and the Jewish leaders, they'd taken Jesus' body. And the, and the reason they would have taken Jesus' body is Jesus was starting a revolution that threatened them. 
and, and, and nailing him to a cross and putting him in a tomb, yeah, that largely dampened the enthusiasm of his followers and nearly quashed the revolution, but there was still a few embers flickering. So the, so the authorities probably stole the body so that they could parade the king, the one you'd put your hope in, the one that you'd chosen to follow, the one some of you had given up everything to follow. Here he is, see him for yourself, he's dead. They would have figured that is the reason that the tomb was empty. But that's not where Jesus was either. <laughs> and in fact, when, when, when I think about it, I think, well, if I was Jesus and I've just risen from the dead, where would I be next? <laughs> what would I do next? What would, you know, cappuccino stripping Fremantle maybe? Like, what, what? Well, Jesus decided to go for a walk. And he decided to go for a walk, leaving Jerusalem where he'd been buried. And he, he caught up with a couple of guys who had been his followers. A, a guy named Cleopas. We'll just call him Clee, he's a little bit hipster. Uh, and a plus one, doesn't get a name shout out by Luke. Clee and a, and a plus one are walking along from, from Jerusalem back to their village. And they're walking along dejected. They're walking along hopeless. They're walking along feeling not only let down that the one they put their hope in was dead, but, but, but likely betrayed. Because Jesus, you said you were the Saviour that was gonna deliver us and it didn't amount to anything. And so as they're walking along from Jerusalem despondently back to their village on the Sunday, Jesus comes up alongside them and uh, they didn't know it was Him. They didn't recognise it was Him. And He said, yo, what's up? What are you guys talking about? And Klee says, didn't know it was Jesus. Klee says, what? Where have you been? <laughs> Haven't you heard what's happened over these last few days? And Jesus, uh, this stuff's hilarious to me. Jesus says, no, what's happened? Tell me. <laughs> so they said, well, okay. I mean, it's the talk of the town. Everyone of Jerusalem has been talking about it. You haven't heard? Well, let me, let me tell you what happened. There's this guy, he, his name's Jesus. And he came and at the age of 30, he went public declaring that he was the son of God, said that he, was, he came to be the saviour that we've been waiting for for centuries, that he was gonna be the one to overthrow the Roman Empire, to release the people of, of the Jewish people and restore us to the glory days of Israel. Problem is that the, the Jewish authorities and the Roman leaders, they didn't like that very much. And so they, they, they had him crucified on Friday, just, a few, just three days ago. And then he was put in a tomb and, 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 then, and then Sunday, like earlier today, the, some of the women, they went to that tomb and, 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 they, and they saw that the stone was rolled away and that Jesus' body wasn't there, but, but, but angels were there and angels said to them, oh, look, he's not here, he's risen. And so they went and told some of the guys and the guys came along and they were expecting to see him because if he's risen, he'd, he'd be visible, but he wasn't there. So... So we don't get it. And Jesus says, you idiots, you pair of dummies. They, they, didn't, they didn't know it was Jesus, 
but he started spelling it out for them. And so he went right back to the beginning, the earlier parts of what we now call the Bible. Then it wouldn't have been called the Bible, it'd been the Jewish Torah, the Jewish book. And, uh, and through this Jewish book over centuries, there were, there were recordings and signs and promises and words from God describing who was gonna be the Saviour, what He was gonna do, when He was gonna come, what He was gonna do when He came. And Jesus talked them through all of that. And then this, and then that, and they would have known it. So in a sense, Jesus was just reminding them this, and, and then He would have done these signs. And, 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 and so He's reminding them of who the Saviour is. Again, they didn't know this was Jesus telling them about Jesus. And they got to Clee's house, and uh, Jesus like pretended, like, like did a little head fake that he was gonna move on. And Cleese says, uh, hey, uh, stranger, uh, how about you come in for dinner? And Jesus says, okay, sure. Luke, I went to pick up the story. Luke was a doctor in that day. You can uh, pop open the elevator app if, if you wanna follow it in the Bible. We're gonna put it up there the rest of the story so you guys can follow along. Luke was a doctor in that time and Luke went around some years later recording eyewitness accounts. He wanted to make sure that this story was really verifiable and so he recorded uh, the, the eyewitness accounts and I wanna pick up at this point. They came, Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus, Clee and the plus one to the edge of the village where they were headed Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they pressed him. Hey, stay and have some supper with us. It's nearly evening, day's done. You know, Jesus had a big day, bit of CrossFit on Friday, bit of stone rolling on Sunday. Come on, this ain't your grandma's church. Don't be offended by that. Some next level preacher humor right there. <laughs> it's nearly evening, the day's done. And so Jesus went in with them. I love this part of the story. I love this part of the story. A few months ago, some of our crew were gathered at our home for dinner and we, we had a couple of plus ones, a couple of, we call them unchurch people. It's not a criticism, just say that people that aren't part of a church and you know, we like to hang out with them because so did Jesus. And so we just having dinner and, and one of our guys asked, this, one of the, 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 the plus ones, hey, you wanna just tell us, uh, you know, just where you're at with Jesus and not pressing, not, not one of those type of people, don't be that guy. Just said, just say, just, you know, where you're at with Jesus and, 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 and the plus one said, you know what? I'm curious, I'm curious. And right at this point of the story, they weren't convinced, but they were curious enough to invite Jesus in. And I suspect that's actually where some of you are at this morning, that you're not yet convinced that Jesus is who he said he was, but you're curious. And for that reason, we are so glad that you're here. And I may not be able to in the next 15 or so minutes, I may not be able to get you over the line where I can convince you, but at the very least, can I encourage you to stay curious because Jesus isn't bothered by your curiosity. In fact, he's pretty excited because when he got asked in, he said, yep, I'm in. And here's what happened, Luke recorded. Jesus sat down at the table with them, taking the bread, which they would have had on the table. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And at that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then Jesus disappeared. So here's Clee and his buddy, maybe his wife, we don't know. 
They'd walk with Jesus for miles, probably close to seven miles from Jerusalem to their village. They'd walk with Him. They'd talked with Him. They'd invited Him in for dinner, which probably would have meant they'd washed up with Him to prepare to sit at the table and eat. And yet at no time through this whole journey, this whole process, at no time did they recognise Him until this very moment when Jesus broke the bread and handed it to them. Why is it that it's at this moment that they recognised Him? I hear you ask. Well, they didn't have Wondersoft pre-sliced bread in those days. They had real homemade crusty style loaves. And, and what would have been the custom would have been to, to take that whole loaf, to break it open and to hand it out to the people sitting at the table. Up to that time, Jesus was walking along like this. And, it, and yet at that moment, when He broke the bread and offered it to them, they recognised Him because they saw His scars. Back and forth, Jesus had left, back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? It's, <laughs> I, I, get, I now get why we felt the way we felt when we were talking. Whew. As he opened up the scriptures for us, Jesus' words made their hearts burn, but his scars were how they recognised him. And I'm aware that this doesn't sound right to some of you. Because some of you think, well, if God's got the power to raise Jesus from the dead, surely He's got the power to do a little bit of cosmetic surgery. Not have Jesus walking around all scarred up. I'm aware that some of you, this may not fit with the version of Jesus that's been painted for you. Some of you, haven't been into a church for years. You may have grown up in church, maybe in your teens, 20s. And you were told that you, you're not meant to have scars. You're not allowed to have scars. And, 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 and of course we know that we all have them, but you're not allowed, if you got them, you better wear your long sleeves and your gloves because you're not allowed to show them. And, and you got tired of pretending and so you got out of there. I, I get that, I understand that, I don't blame you. Some of you, this is the first time you've even walked into the doors of a church because I gotta tell you, and, and I, I gotta probably publicly apologise on behalf of so, so many churches over so many years that we've done a pretty poor job of marketing the Jesus that, that, that has scars, the Jesus that understands that you have scars and the Jesus that isn't put off by that, and that the Jesus that doesn't expect you to get all your scars cleaned up, sorted out and removed before you're allowed in the doors. We have a Jesus who shows off his scars. And if you have scars, then you've got a Jesus that identifies with you. In fact, let me just 
ask a question, quick question. How, how many of you have never been wounded in your life? I just wanna see where all the liars are sitting here this morning. Okay. Well, Clee and his buddy didn't waste a minute and they were up on their way back to Jerusalem, seven mile run. They found the 11, Judas didn't make it. And their friends gathered together, talk, talking away. And Clee and his buddy said, it's really happened. The master's been raised up, Simon saw him. And then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they recognised him when he broke the bread and, and saw their scars. Now that's Luke's account. John, John, who was one of the eyewitnesses, he wrote his own account and he included some additional information. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, because the Jews were trying to snuff out the last remaining embers of the movement, the Jesus revolution that had started They'd locked the doors in the house. They'd locked themselves in to protect themselves from the authorities. But Jesus entered. See, you, you were so impressed with David Copperfield and some of you under 30s more recently with David Blaine. That stuff's not new. Jesus was walking through walls 2,017 years ago. And so he entered. Ain't no way a locked door's gonna keep him out. And he said, peace. And then... What did he do? He showed them his hands. If you've ever uh, joined a gym and uh, also attended it, which those things are two separate things. Some people only do one. Uh, uh, hey, 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 not looking at anyone in particular. Chances are, chances are you've seen that guy. And you know that guy. That guy has got the V-shaped lats. He's got the pecs for days. He's got the shoulders like boulders. The beach muscles. He's got muscles on his muscles. And he's wearing the gold's gym singlet. You know that guy. He's wearing the gold's gym singlet. He's never been in a gold's gym. He, he doesn't even know where there is a gold gym, but Arnie used to train in a gold's gym. So he went on Amazon and he bought himself a little, little gold's gym singlet. But th that guy is also characterised by the fact that he's wearing sweatpants. And he ain't wearing sweatpants because it's cold, because if it was cold, he wouldn't be just walking around in a gold's gym singlet. No, he, he's wearing sweatpants because even though he likes to work the beach muscles, he also likes to skip leg day. And <laughs> but he don't want you to know that he skips leg day. So he puts on sweats and he just shows you the beach muscles. <laughs> you know, Jesus had a pretty impressive CV up to this point after three and a half years of public ministry. Pretty impressive, CV. Found some blind people, made it help them see. It was pretty impressive. Some people that couldn't walk, one guy 38 years couldn't walk, crippled. Got him up, got him walking, wow. I even found a few dead people <laughs> and I raised them to life. Bing. And yet when he wanted to prove 
who he was, he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them his scars. We've been taught in church world that the way you prove you have God's presence working in your life is by your successes. And you, we parade around our CV about all these prayers that have been answered and about all these great faith leaps that we've taken. And, and there's a place for that. And that's true. God will give you His favour. God will give you a leg up. God, if you pray for His wisdom and live by His Word, He will help you avoid, make mistakes, avoid making mistakes that other people have made. He'll give you some favour that other people don't have access to when you obey Him. So there's, there's something to be said for parading around the CV of the successes. But here's what's interesting. Jesus, when He wanted to demonstrate who He was to the people that had been following Him, He showed them His hands and his side. See, his scars tell a story. And again, in church world, we're not meant to tell the story. We're meant to fake it till we make it. Well, by the way, we don't preach that stuff here, but I've heard it. And some of you have too. That, that faith is about living in denial. You know, Jesus had scars because the cross really happened. He wasn't living in denial, but he was able to show them that even though his hands had been pierced by nails, he didn't stay dead. He was dead, but he didn't stay dead. So let me ask another question. How many of you have some scars? How many of you have, have been wounded? All right, yeah, there's a few liars here because you're not putting your hands up. Liars are lazy, I don't know. Just got back from Gold's gym. <laughs> but Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him later on, we saw the master. But he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Thomas, sometimes called the twin, the church I grew up in, we didn't call him the twin, we called him Doubting Thomas. Have you ever heard that? Made it into our actual vernacular. Oh, you're such a Doubting Thomas. I think it's pretty harsh. I like to call him Honest Thomas. He thought of a question and he asked it. Jesus isn't intimidated by our questions. We don't demonstrate a complete lack of faith by our questions. In fact, we demonstrate someone that says, I'm not yet convinced, but I'm curious. And it's a great place to be. But he's called Doubting Thomas because life likes to label us around that time when we were at our worst. Alcoholic Archie. Slutty Susie, <laughs> gossiping Gary. Yeah, that, you know what? Resurrection Sunday is a reminder that that may be who you were, but it does not have to be who you stay. Yeah. Honest Thomas, Jesus, I'm not yet convinced, but I'm curious. And Jesus says, far away, buddy. Poke away. When you came in, our team would have given you 
a cross made with some nails. I want you to grab a hold of that right now. Be careful. It's from Bunnings. It's sharp. Bunnings, official hardware supplier to Elevate Church. Thomas asked the question, said, unless I see his scars, unless I see them and touch them and could put my hands into them, Jesus didn't get put off. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room and this time Thomas was with them. And again, Jesus pulls a David Blaine and comes through the locked doors and stood among them and says, peace. And then he focused his attention on Thomas. Honest Thomas. Tommy, take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side and don't be unbelieving. Believe. But Jesus didn't say to Thomas, come and see where the nails are. Jesus said to Thomas, come and see where the nails were. And that's the difference between Friday and Sunday. Fridays are where the nails get hammered in. Sundays are where, yeah, we've still got the scars, but there's no more nails. The devil intended to kill you, but what he intended as a death symbol is now a victory symbol. What he intended as a death march became a victory march. And so for some of you, who have been wounded, all of you. You've experienced your Friday. You've lost jobs. You've experienced financial setback. You've had relationships break down. You've had people let you down, betray you, disappoint you, say things about you. You've grown up being told that you're never gonna amount to anything. Some of you have been abused physically, emotionally, sexually, you've had your Fridays. You know what it feels like to have the nails drawn in. You know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that hammer driving in the nails. And it, it's not good. It wasn't good for Jesus. We call it Good Friday, but not because it was good for Jesus, but because it was good for us. Because He didn't stay on that cross. Those nails didn't keep Him there. In fact, I want you to stand, grab a hold of that and stand and and let today be, let Resurrection Sunday be a day where you can join with Jesus and say, it is finished, where you can submit to Jesus and let Him declare over that situation that you've been in. It is finished, where you can say, I'm hurt, I've been wounded, I got some scars, but there's no more nails. Those nails are now a cross. They're not a sign of defeat. They're a sign of victory. You might have walked in here barely hanging on, feeling like every day has been Friday. But every day doesn't have to be Friday because your bus doesn't have the last word. Your bank account doesn't have the last word. Your ex-husband doesn't have the last word. Your stray kids don't have the last word. Those people who said things to you or about you, they don't have the last word. Jesus has the last word and He says, it is finished. 
what held you doesn't have to hold you. It is finished. Hold that cross up, guys. Hold that cross up. And listen to these words. What held you doesn't have to hold you. It is finished. What held you doesn't have to hold you. It is finished. It might have taken you down, but it didn't take you out. It might have held you back, but it, Jesus is going to use it to hold you up, to elevate you. It's not a sign of death. It's not a sign of defeat. It's a sign of victory. Jesus can take the nails and turn them into a symbol of hope, of victory. People that have driven nails into your dreams, and you've walked in here with dreams that were dying, that were laying on the side. It's Resurrection Sunday for your dreams. Your profit and loss statement doesn't have the last word. Jesus has the last word. Wasn't the end of the story for Thomas either. Thomas, honest Thomas, I'm not yet convinced, but I'm curious. Approach Jesus and touched his scars and said, my master, my God. And Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. And that's you and me. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Some of you walked in here today, not yet convinced, but curious. And before you sit down I, and before you leave this place, I wanna give you an opportunity, like Thomas, to approach Jesus and say, my master, my God. And what I want you to do, those of you that have not yet declared Jesus as your God, while you're standing right now, just put your hand up and acknowledge Him. That's me today. I came in here not yet convinced, but curious, and somehow God stirred me to where I'm, yeah, I'm convinced. I'm in. Just put your hand up. Say, that's me today. And when I see a hand, you can put it down, and then we're going to pray.